if you have a Bible, turn to the book of Titus. Um, little trick for you is that all of the T's in the New Testament are together. Okay, all the T's in the New Testament are together. Um, and so if, if you're there, good. If you've gone to Revelation, you've gone too far. Um, so the book of Titus is where we'll be actually over the next eight weeks. Um, and if you don't have a Bible, there are some in this back corner that you can grab, but also want to encourage you, and this is not a guilt trip, but this is to encourage you over the next eight weeks, I really want to encourage you to bring your Bible, bring your Bible. I want you to know that when we study the word and and I, and I bring us through a teaching series, I do this very in intentionally with conviction. And so as we study the word, I want you to understand what I'm saying. I'm not making up. Okay. What I'm saying is coming from scripture and what we unpack and how we talk about it and how we do our teaching series is through the book of Titus and from the Bible itself. And so before we get started, I'm going to share with you a little bit about the book of Titus, but our order of service today is going to be a little bit different. There's no fill in the blanks for you. Um, And I'm actually not really going to teach and unpack a specific part. But what we're going to do is I'm going to give you a little bit of an overview about the book of Titus, give you some language that we're going to talk about over this series. And then I'm going to invite some of my council members up and we're going to pray together as a church through these four specific pastoral prayers that that God's really laid on my heart. And so I'm going to give you just kind of a little bit about the book of Titus my time away and and how we'll go through this. So the book of Titus was written to an actual person named Titus from the Apostle Paul. If you remember our series uh, through Ephesians made alive that we did last, Paul was the author of that book and he wrote to that congregation. But this letter here is one of what we would call a pastoral epistle. And this is one that Paul wrote to Titus specifically to instruct the church and this was another one of Paul's young, young preachers assigned with a difficult task. And the church on the island of Crete was in need of maturing. It was not yet a mature church. And this letter was designed by Paul when he wrote it to Titus to help him in his work. And this is a personal letter, but it's not a private letter. Okay, I want you to understand that as we go through this series over the next eight weeks, this is a personal letter, but it's not a private letter. And what that means is that Paul wrote it specifically to Titus to instruct the church, but it would not have been private where only Titus would have read it. This would have been something that Titus read to the church in Crete. And so this is the instruction of Paul to Titus to the church on the island of Crete. And so during my time away... I spent much time just kind of praying. I've long desired to study the book of Titus. But in my time, I did not want to study the book of Titus. In my time away, I spent many, many uh, hours praying and, and talking with God. And, and one of the things I, I desired to do was teach through a book that would talk about growing in the gospel, growing in gospel multiplication and discipleship. And so through this, my, my thought was, man, the book of Titus, the book of Titus. I've, I, I was thinking of this uh, back in December of where we could go at this time. And, and just as the, the days got closer, I said, no, not going to go there, not going to go there. And that was not a sign from God whatsoever, but that was my own uh, shame and a little bit of conviction. Because at the center text of the book of Titus, he talks about multiplication. He talks about older men, older women, and, and younger men and younger women, and, and getting them together together 
for the purpose of discipleship, for the purpose of gospel multiplication. And I felt a, a weight that I don't think was conviction of the spirit, but, but guilt of the flesh that we're not there yet. We, we have a lot of o- older men, older women who are maturing in their faith. We have a lot of younger men, younger women who need to mature in their faith, but we're not yet together in that. And I just felt the weight of that, and I thought, man, I'm not going to teach through Titus. I'm going to do something else. I'm going to teach something easier. I'm I'm not going to teach that. And I just spent time just out in front of a a beautiful scenery, sitting down on my chair, and I just was looking through Scripture. God, what do you want me to teach? What do you want me to teach? And God would not allow me to go from Titus. And so I really felt a conviction and, and really felt like God was just laying on my heart that this is what we need to study. This is the book that we need to go through so that we can grow in maturity together. Not because we are mature together, but that we have an opportunity to grow together. And so here's what Paul writes to to Titus. He, He instructs him and says, listen, here's how the church should grow up into maturity. Here's what the church needs to be established. And so really there's there's three points of Paul's letter to Titus saying, listen, here's the leadership you need to establish in the church. Here's the sound doctrine that you need to teach out of. And then here's the good works that this church should walk in. And so I just felt the the weight of that, the the joy of that, and realized that as we go through this, kind of the tagline that that I've created is that we would grow in maturity to be a gospel-centered community. So I just want to share with you, for, for you, if you've never heard that term gospel-centered, first what that means is we begin with the gospel. We begin with the gospel, and the gospel is the good news of what Jesus Christ has done to reconcile us to God. So it's really broken down into four parts that we see in Scripture. That God, the creator of all things, created us in his image. We see this from the beginning of the word. But we, through our sin, have become separated from God. Romans 3.23 says this. And then Christ stepped in at the perfect time, being fully God and fully man. He lived a sinless life. He died on the cross to, to bear God's wrath in, all, in the place of all who would believe. And he rose from the grave in order to give us eternal life. That we would respond. That we would move and respond to Jesus, believing in him for our salvation. So this is the good news of the gospel, that grace has been extended to us in Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ's righteousness has been credited to us, and on the cross, God's wrath towards us has been removed for those who hear, for those who submit, and those who believe. And so the good news is that we have right standing before God. This is the base of the gospel. And so for us to be gospel-centered, a term that you're going to hear all throughout this series, so I want you to understand first what the gospel is, and I also want you to understand what being gospel-centered means. That being gospel-centered is to view all of life, every area of your life, in light of this gospel that has transformed you and continues to transform you. And so to be gospel-centered is to do everything in full dependence on blood-bought grace and promises. To be gospel-centered is to do everything you do with a view of displaying the all-satisfying grace of God. And to be gospel-centered 
It means to bring glory to God in all you do, fixing your affections and your attentions completely on him. And so as we go in our time this morning, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to read for us the whole book of Titus. And I encourage you while, while I read this, if you have your Bible, circle things that, that stand out to you, underline things. And so we're going to read the whole book of Titus. It takes about eight minutes. And then what we're going to do is I'm going to invite uh, Frank and Harry up to pray with me. And we're going to pray through these pastoral prayers, these prayers that have come out of my prayer time with God for you, for us together, and then also out of the book of Titus. So we're going to read Titus, starting in chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, for the sake of the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth, which accords with godliness, in hope of eternal life, which God, who never lies, promised before the ages began, and at the, pow- at, and at the proper time manifested in his word through the preaching with which I have been entrusted by the command of God our Savior. To Titus, my true child in a common faith, grace and peace from God the Father in Christ Jesus our Savior. This is why I left you in Crete, so that you might put what remained into order and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. If anyone is above reproach, the husband of one wife and his children are believers and not open to the charge of debauchery or insubordination. For an overseer, as God's steward, must be above reproach. He must not be arrogant or quick-tempered or a drunkard or violent or greedy for gain, but hospitable, a lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. He must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught, so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and able to rebuke those who contradict it. For there are many who are insubordinate, empty talkers and deceivers, especially those of the circumcision party. They must be silenced, since they are upsetting whole families by teaching for shameful gain what they ought not to teach. One of the Cretans, a prophet of their own, said, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, lazy gluttons. And this testimony is true. Therefore, rebuke them sharply that they may be sound in the faith not devoting themselves to Jewish myths and the commands of people who turn away from the truth. To the pure, all things are pure, but to the defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure, but both their minds and their consciences are defiled. They profess to know God, but they deny him with their works. They are detestable, disobedient, unfit for any good work. Chapter 2. But as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. Older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith, in love, and in steadfastness. Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in behavior, not slanders or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good, and so train the younger women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. Likewise, urge the younger men to be self-controlled. Show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works, and in your teaching show integrity, dignity, and sound speech that cannot be condemned, 
so that an opponent may be put to shame, having nothing evil to say about us. Bondservants are to be submissive to their own masters in everything. They are to be well-pleasing, not argumentative, not pilfering, but showing all good faith, so that in everything they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. Declare these things, exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no one disregard you. Chapter 3. Remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle and to show perfect courtesy towards all people. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our day in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us. Not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. The saying is trustworthy, and I want you to insist on these things so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. And these things are excellent and profitable for people. But avoid foolish controversies, genealogies, dissensions, and quarrels about the law, for they are unprofitable and worthless. As for a person who stirs up division, after warning him once and then twice, have nothing more to do with him. Knowing that such a person is warped and sinful, he is self-condemned. When I send Artemis and Tychicus to you, do your best to come to me at Nicopolis. For I have decided to spend the winter there. Do your best to speed Zenos, the lawyer, and Apollos on their way. See that they lack nothing, and let our people learn to devote themselves to good works, so as to help cases of urgent need and not be unfruitful. All who are with me send greetings to you. Greet those who love us in the faith. Grace be with you all. And so here's what Paul gives to Titus to instruct the church. And so as we, as we just kind of transition from that reading, I'm going to invite Frank and, and Harry up. And, and we're going to pray uh, just for a little bit of time. And I'm not asking you to stand or, or, or do anything specific. I just would ask you that um, as you see these in your program, we're going to pray through these. And I'm going to start us off. Um, and then Frank is going to, pray through that second one. Harry is going to pray through that, that third one, and then I'm just going to close us off by praying through that fourth one. So I'll hand that to you. So I'll open us up. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word this morning. 
Father, I pray that we would find ourselves not only in this series, but for the rest of our lives, that we would be submitted, submitted beneath it. Not beside it, not above it, not in front of it, but that we would be submitted beneath your word. That your word is, is what would drive us, what would teach us and mature us. So, Father, I pray that as we go through this next series, Father, I pray that that we would fully experience the truth of the gospel, not just from, from a brain level, but from a heart level, from a soul level. Father, I pray that that your gospel would penetrate through our hearts. That, Father, we would not just see that the gospel is what saves us and that we would move on from there, but, Father, that the gospel is also what matures us and sustains us. Father, I pray that as we look to have gospel-centered lives, God, I pray that we would bank everything on that promise. That we never outgrow our need for the gospel. Father, may we see how we are blood-bought through the cross of Jesus Christ. Father, I pray that as we go through this series, Father, that, that we would know you deeply. That, Father, the gospel would not just be a word or a sentence that is, that is going through our minds, but, Father, I pray that it would be implanted in us. That everything that we say, everything that we do, would be with a desire to bring you glory out of living a gospel-centered life. And, Father, we know that... Uh, You desire us to know you better. Father, it's important that we hold fast to sound doctrine. This is a charge that is set before pastors to preach, and and we pray for for David as as he gives us the message, uh, your messenger to us, Father, that sound doctrine comes from his, his words to us. Father... I pray that uh, you would help us to understand and know what sound doctrine is, uh, Father, that uh, we, need, we need to know that uh, uh, sound doctrine is uh, factual, uh, true, biblical reality, uh, Father, that we need to examine uh, your word to know what is right and what is true. Sound doctrine comes from just who you are, uh, Father, uh, you are our creator, Father, and, and the sound doctrine comes from who Jesus is. Jesus is the Messiah, uh, Father, our Savior, uh, the true gospel. Sound doctrine is for our part in being your created being, Father, nothing more, uh, just created to to have fellowship with you, Father, and 
the things that come in between us and you, uh, Father. Uh, I pray that you would help us to understand that there's a doctrine that is, is presented by the world that would lead us away from what is true and what is sound and what is right. Father, I pray that we would understand that we need to prepare ourselves to be able to maintain the sound doctrine and to know what it is. And Father, I, I, I pray as I've been praying over the last several, several weeks that we would put on your armor. Father, that we would put on the belt of truth, that we would know what is true and what is not true. And Father, that we would put on that breastplate of righteousness that comes from our Lord Jesus Christ. And Father, that we would be ready, that we, w- we would have our feet set firmly and in that truth. And Father, that we would have the helmet of salvation. We need that salvation, Father. We pray that you would give us that. And Father, the, the Holy Spirit, which is the, the sword of the Spirit, Father, we just pray for your word, that it would just be prominent both in our lives and both from the mouth of, of your servant David here. Father, help us to, to just grasp on to what is sound and what is unsound. And Father, we will praise you and honor you for that in Jesus' name. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you so much that... Uh, because of your grace and your love for us, we can stand here today. Lord, we, as uh, Titus says, we were once foolish and backbiters and sinners in a lot of ways. And uh, Lord, I, I just pray that as an individual and as a church that we can encourage people in, in, in a better way, that we don't put people down, but we build them up, Lord, and that uh, we will do the good works that you would have us do. Uh, Lord Jesus, I thank you that uh, we have a church that preaches the word, Lord, that it is gospel-centered, and we pray, I thank you for David, that he, he preaches your word every day. It's not some social event or something like that, but he preaches your word. Lord, I pray that uh, you'll be with him as he does his service, Lord, and be with the rest of us that we will uh, learn and live and uh, become better Christians because of it. And thank you for this. And as we thirst and hunger to delve into your word and to learn it more, to learn it better and to apply it to our lives, I pray that we are able to use wisdom and discernment in our interpretation, that it is the only way, that it is the correct form, that the doctrine we draw from your word is sound. There are many liars out there. There are many false prophets I pray that you protect us and cover us with the wisdom we need to know to tell which is fallacy and which is truth. And that not only once we do figure it out, but that we are able to bind that to our hearts. 
every waking moment and step through this life, that we are able to apply it. And that we hold not just firmly to it, but that we actually use it wisely as well. I pray that as we go through this book of Titus, use our our pastor in marvelous ways and that you open and reveal the book to him in a way that is understandable to us and that we know and hold it righteously as truth and that we don't just simply sit here on a Sunday and drink it in but that we take it and we pour it out to everybody that we come across as well Heavenly Father, um, the prayer is to engage the culture around us, but not allow the culture around us to influence our gospel-centered lives. I'm reminded of Romans 12, 1 and 2, to present our bodies as a sacrifice to you. And living in a culture where There is no morality with our bodies. It's encouraged to be immoral and do things that are directly contradictive to your word. Lord, I pray that you would help us as believers to just keep that desire and will to be pure and to have it all begin in our minds where we are constantly renewing our thought processes, whatever the thought may be, anger, bitterness, lust, temptation, that we would cut it off and just truly, simply repent and come back to you, redirect our thoughts toward your word, your truth, Lord, the, the vision and the future and the hope of spending eternity with you. And that we would also evaluate our lives and where we spend our time, the things that we entertain, that we would look at those things and compare them to your word and see what you see in all that, Lord. And if there's something that we just can't make peace with, Lord, that we would be willing to depart from it or put it away or do whatever's necessary, even though there's ways we can entertain and justify what we do. Lord, I pray if there's any kind of a inclination from you that it's something you want us to turn from that we would be willing to do that and not not wrestle with you on it or try to be half in or half half devoted lord i pray that we would be completely looking for ways to be a hundred percent in lord god and Lord, I pray that we would um, view that sacrifice and that offering to you not as something that we 
must do or have to do in order to be pleasing, but something that we get to do in response to the fact that we're saved and we have a eternity ahead of us of freedom and peace and everything that we need and that in that moment where we do have to think and decide that we would remember all these things and it would give us a new perspective and attitude about the decisions we make to purify our lives and live for you. And I pray as well, Lord, that we would just in obedience be filled with your joy, your happiness, your peace, and all the the fruits of the Spirit, Lord God, and that no matter who we are, the things that we are into, our personalities, our activities, our interests, hobbies, that we have many, many differences amongst us, but we can all be equipped and prepared to reach out into our culture and our society and show people the way. And I just thank you, Lord, for our church, and I pray and ask God that you would continue to move in our midst and in our lives and just have your your way with us, Lord, and just thank you for today. In Jesus' name, amen.